0: So, welcome to another episode of the Friday Film Club. Uh, today, I am delighted to be joined by Channel Four News correspondent Aisha Toll. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, well, it's here, but virtually. That's of exciting. course.
0: Yeah, yeah, we are still virtual. Um, however, I guess things are going a bit more back to normal now for you guys. I guess it was it was a real challenge doing the news virtually during the pandemic, right?
1: Yeah, bringing out those boom poles and being six feet away <laughs> and you kind of, they gave my arms a workout because we used to speak to people through windows and all this craziness. But I also, um, and all of my colleagues, we were working throughout. So even when it was deepest, baddest lockdown, when everyone was at home, we were still uh, going into the office. So um, I don't. I've never really had a lockdown.
0: I guess it was just all business as usual for for broadcasters. Uh, like yeah. all these pictures of radio presenters having sort of duvets over them, um, so yeah. that they can still do live shows from home. Very odd. Um, but what's your? Uh, ha- have you got any kind of crazy pandemic stories? Uh, I guess uh, just like like adapting to to the kind of different environment.
1: I'm trying to think, and they are. It's just. It was just such a mad time. I think we're so used to. You work in a little crew, you have a producer and a camera person and then you're kind of working together. We had to take separate cars to everything. We had to like not have lunch together. I remember actually in one of the the stories that we were working on, um, we were in three different cars in a service station because that was the only place that was open and we had to get this report done by six o'clock, had to be in, had to be legaled, all this kind of stuff. So we're sitting in this car park yelling across each other from these cars going, is this script line OK? No, that's rubbish. Do it again. Um, and it just looked bizarre. And it was the only place that also had a toilet as well because nothing was open <laughs> at all. And so you just had really dodgy sandwiches. No offence to any service station. Um, I feel awful in saying that. But they're not the greatest sandwiches in the world. And, yeah, so that's probably my weirdest memory is editing in a in a
0: awful cold Car park, probably (laughs) wanting to cry.
1: (laughs) Thanks for bringing that up. Glad glad we went there.
0: Yeah, no worries, no worries. Uh, People don't really uh, appreciate or think about the 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 kind of uh, I get. I was going to say murky side of journalism, but you know, it's you got to really get your hands dirty sometimes.
1: You do. I think you have to get your hands dirty more than most. I used to. work at Newsround, the children's news programme, I was one of the presenters, and people think it's really glamorous and you get to uh, stand in studio and and read the cue and and tell all these brilliant stories and there's part of that, but then there's also the part where you're on red carpets for a very, very long period of time and your feet are frozen and you're yelling out to a and other celebrity trying to get them to notice you, (laughs) me, Please come up to me, please say a few words yeah. so that I can get off this red park carpet and get my toes warm. So there's also a lot of that as well, but uh, I love
0: yeah. it. So I guess, yeah, all you see on camera is like the, the glamorous stars on the red carpet. You turn the yeah. camera around and there's just like hundreds of journalists sort of jostling yeah. to try and get the attention of that one person. Yeah, fun. <laughs> uh, but it must be nice now to actually start doing like non-Covid related stories.
1: It is quite nice. It is. It's more because I think, I, you know, you get into journalism for the ver- the variety of stuff that you get to do. I, I guess I think for me, I'm not a specialist. I'm a generalist. So I do everything and, and anything. And so it's quite nice to kind of go back and look at other stories that have been neglected, quite frankly, because we've been focusing just on COVID. So it's good to get back out there and speak to people and find out. What uh, they really care about. I know one of the things. Um, I, I, I don't mean to be boring, but cost of living is one of those things that loads of people keep talking to me about. Everyone's like, WhatsApping me, going, oh, Why am I? Why are my bills 100 hundred hundred pounds more expensive this month? I should please explain. And I'm like, Oh gosh, I don't know why. Um, so I'm trying to do that. I, I act as an agony aunt. I feel to a lot of my friends. That want to know why stuff is going on in the world, and then they direct it at me. So um, yeah. yeah.
0: Since we're on that, I mean, uh, I, I noticed the other week dog food has gone up by about thirty percent. Madness. Stop. Yeah. Awful. So if you could explain that one for me, that'd be great. I,
1: I wish I. I wish I could. And but you know, I I think it's really it's really sad because you just think of all the. You want to enjoy you want to enjoy stuff and you want to be able to like afford to do things. And it's not like a lot of people are being extravagant and wanting to go and jet set and do loads of holidays and other things. It's just wanting to do normal things and then realizing that you can't because you can't afford it. Bit crap not just a bit crap, I know for some people it's really, really sad.
0: Yeah, um, and a lot of people have been finding solace in uh, Netflix subscriptions, uh, which is very handy for this podcast. So uh, good. let's talk a bit about films. Now, as always, it's the same six questions uh, and let's jump straight in to what is your favorite film?
1: So I had a long and hard think about this and I think it's got to be Sister Act, which is of course starring Whoopi Goldberg, with the, the big massive fro and the nun's outfit and all of these amazing uh, women and it's funny it's really hard for me to pick a favorite from because i love films i just watch stuff all the time but i think for me it's that 90s nostalgia it's that i just remember kind of sitting down with my mum not knowing all like the nuances and the little bits and pieces but knowing that i absolutely just loved it loved the vibe loved the singing and everything about it And also just seeing someone like Whoopi Goldberg just leading and starring in this big film. I think Mm -hmm. at the time, looking back, I didn't really realise the significance of that. But now I realise how powerful it was to have an African-American woman leading a film and how rare it was, right? So Mm. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so enduring in my heart to be one of my favourite films, because I think she's badass. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i'm so glad that sister act has come up i was fully expecting it though uh, if it did make an appearance on this show to, to be a guilty pleasure um or even a nostalgic <laughs> film um, it makes me so happy that you've said it's your favorite film but yeah do you know i think Whoopi goldberg we we i guess we underestimate the significance of uh a, a black woman uh being the star of what became a little bit of a franchise yeah and i guess that's a sign for how much things have Progressed in the last sort of thirty years, but um yeah, Whoopi Goldberg was really kind of on her own there, championing black women in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, she really was, and it and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a film about race. It wasn't like, a mm. necess- like it wasn't necessarily about that. It was a it was a black character that had something to her, and actually, she was quite naughty. Like she started out in that club in Reno, like mm. she was having having an affair. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> like I, know, I just think back now, being. Me, and my brother, and my mum watching that film, and my mum going, "Oh," and me and my brother just probably thinking, "Oh, I don't know." There's some singing, um that, that's fun, and not realizing all of the drama and all of the stuff that is obviously going down. But just having a fully formed character um, and someone that is able to, like, have this life, have these ups and downs and these troughs, and and have something realized. I think, I think actually, it's just so powerful just to be able to. Um, to show that on screen and you know I think there are lots of probably little black girls around the world who were growing up in the 90s as I were that looked at that and then thought you know what I can (laughs) not be an actor like Whoopi like she's amazing I'm not gonna do that but I can be on screen and, and like my dreams are possible I think she's probably one of the first people that did that for me so yeah. Whoopi, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure she is. Uh, I'm sure she is. Yeah. Uh, side question, though. What are your thoughts on Sister Act 2?
1: Oh, see, I knew you were going to do that to me. Um, <laughs> you know, sequels, it's very it's very rare to find a sequel that is uh, better than the original. Uh, you know, unless you're talking about Home Alone 2, I know, controversial, but, um, you know. I, yeah, I, I I didn't like it as much, I'm not going to lie, and there were rumours about, like, Sister Act 3 and stuff mm. um, happening this year, so I'm a bit, uh, <laughs> bit, bit nervous, bit nervous <laughs> about that. But the one thing I will commend Sister Act 2 on is bringing out Lauren Hill, because she mm. kind of came through as a breakthrough actress in that, um, and uh, just her singing was... Phenomenal and um, just kind of, and there was also oh god, this, the woman in it who was her mum, who was also in a, a show called Moesha. Uh, mm-hmm. For anyone that might remember, I think it's Cheryl Lee Ralph. Don't 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 shoot me if I'm wrong, but I think that's her. And so it was all those kind of characters and stuff, and yeah, it, it was. It's fun. It's not something that I'd watch again and again and again. I watch it if it's on. Like if it's if it's a Sunday and I'm a bit mm-hmm. bored and I see it on the telly, I'm not gonna switch it off but it's, yeah. it's not it, it's not my favourite
0: I think we'll have to agree to disagree on that because I prefer the sequel but no. I, I, I no, can oh, watch that's all right. I can watch both like over and over again I I love Sister Act it's just,
1: I, it's the Las Vegas not Las Vegas it's like the Reno bit mm. for me and the uh convincing the helicopter pilot by um guilt to take <laughs> them to the moonlight lounge it's that bit for me that I think Puts it over the rest, and just the singing. And I think it's the unexpectedness of the, not well. Like obviously, it happens throughout the movie, but like mm. the lovely bit of them kind of singing all these classical hymns, and and then kind of bringing it up today. I think the first time I saw that, I thought that was fantastic and amazing. And I know it happens throughout the film, but it's just quite, it's just quite lovely and
0: magical to me. Yeah, definitely. And I I think credit is definitely due to uh, whichever executive greenlit sister act because yeah i don't know how you can make that elevator pitch and and not hide just how blasphemous it, it probably was at the time
1: so there's going to be some nuns and <laughs> there's also going to be <laughs> um some gangsters and then you know a couple of detectives and yeah uh, and a helicopter it's going to be great
0: but I'm, I'm i'm glad it happened sister act great great choice uh but that takes us on to the other end of the spectrum which is your least favorite film
1: and I don't like to be down on anything I like to be quite positive however I think one thing for me is that because I do a job where you um it's quite heavy my job you'll be dealing with loads of stories of of some awful things that happen in this world and everything can feel quite hopeless Um, and so whenever I'm picking out movies I like to I just like to have fun. I like to watch comedy. I like to be able to switch off and switch off my brain because like, there's just so much stuff going on. So Inception for me, is my least favorite film. I'm sorry. I can just feel like people throwing apples at me. I, I apologize. But for me, it just wasn't that interesting. And I remember watching it with my my really, really close friend, Kara who uh, was watching it we were watching it at the same time I fell asleep I don't know if it was because I was tired or because I was bored but I fell asleep and then kind of got up at the end and she uh, kind of leaned over to me and she was just like that was the best film ever (laughs) (laughs) I think I looked at her and said okay (laughs) not for me
0: yeah. Do you know what? I think Inception is definitely like a lot of people do like it, but I think those who don't are, are going to really not like it. But the, mm-hmm. I think the only thing worse than falling asleep and waking up at the end would have been falling asleep and waking up still partway through because yes. you, miss, you miss any of Inception and it makes an already fairly confusing film absolutely intolerable.
1: Exact that, that's probably what it was. I just <laughs> I, I was so confused that my mind went into overdrive and was like, No, you, you need yeah. to sleep. Like yeah. I can't deal with this. And also, yeah, a film that you just have to maybe I just wasn't in that kind of mood, but a film that you really have to concentrate on and concentrate, and if you miss a particular bit, like sister act, you can fall you can fall asleep, <laughs> you can fall asleep at the beginning of the song. By the end of the song, you know it's gonna be upbeat, right? Yeah. Um, I think I'm I like that formulaic kind of nature of comedy and things. And so for me, stuff that you really have to think about sometimes I I just I don't want to think. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be smart. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I'm not that bothered. <laughs> I,
0: I, I think you, you echo the sentiment of, of a lot of people. You know, I, I think there are films like Inception that people feel like they have to say they like. Yeah. And it's it's good. It's nice that you've you've broken that. Find you've 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 empowered millions of people to come out and say they don't like Inception. I hope I have. I <laughs> hope I have that
1: they feel empowered that they can just be a little bit silly and not the smartest person ever. I must say, my friend Kara is the smartest person that I know. So I'm not surprised at all that that is one of her favourite films of all
0: time. Well, shout out to Kara for being smart. Shout out to Kara. Yeah.
1: yeah. Good
0: uh, to uh, so. Uh, Next question, which film or TV character do you most relate to?
1: So I'm going to take it back to the 90s again and 90s America. I think we, in my house, TV was a really big escape for me because uh, my brother uh, has autism. And so growing up in my house was one of those kind of crazy things where um, he kind of struggled a lot with, um, with noises and with different things going on. And so a lot of the time I would spend by myself. And a lot of that time I would spend kind of watching TV and films and like a little bit of escape in, in some way I would say. Mm. And so uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is one of my all time favorite uh, TV shows. I still follow Will Smith on Instagram. Like his dad Instagram gives me life cause he's just so, he's still with the like really goofy dad jokes and just, you know, completely just not cool. Um, If I can say that, I just said, Will Smith is not cool. Oh my gosh. I mean, he is really cool, (laughs) but he's cool in that kind of dad way. And I think I can most relate to Hilary Banks just because um, I think in that escapism, I used to try and think like, oh, I was her, which sounds a bit weird, but it's kind of like, I like the way that she acted. I like the way that she just didn't care. was really pretty i just looked up to her i thought she was amazing and actually in my first job that i had which was a customer assistant in mark spencer's i think because of my accent i don't know why some people assume it's quite posh it's really not i don't know why but um my my fellow colleagues just wanted to call me hillary which which i was like i'm kind of cool with because I quite like her, and I quite like. Her, so I'm kind of like her. So if you want to call me Hillary, then yeah, you know what, you can go ahead.
0: Do you know what though? Hillary was, for all her her flaws, she she was a good role <laughs> yeah, model. She had many. In the show. Yeah, but like you know, she she was it. Um, she went into she was a weather presenter, wasn't she? <laughs> she was. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Maybe that's why I liked her as well because it's like that journalism thing. But she was a terrible weather She was awful. (laughs) She didn't listen. Um, She was just, you know, she's kind of just in it for the fame and just having her face on camera. She didn't really care what anyone had to say. But yeah, and then she went on to become a talk show host, which was also equally bad at. Um, Again, because she didn't listen and didn't care. Uh, I'd like to think that I do listen and do care. Oh, you never know. I might still have elements of of Hillary. So there
0: we go. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it, it, you don't you don't give off any Hillary vibes. Uh, I can, oh, I can that's assure good. You of that. That's good to know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd like I would like to know a bit more about how you got into journalism because you know you mentioned it. It is it can be quite a bleak career choice because more often than not you're you're reporting on the negative rather than the positive. So, what what was it that that drew you to that?
1: I had the best teacher called Mr. McHale, who was my media teacher um, at school. And I just loved media studies. And it was one of those options that you got to take for GCSE. Um, My mum is, you know, that phrase, tiger mum, or like a really, really like just strict mum, she's the strictest mum in the world. So it was the one frivolous thing that I was able to do. Everything else was science and French and there. But media studies was the one thing that I was able to choose. And I loved it. And I really engaged with it. And we went on a field trip to the Guardian newspaper when I was 15 years old. And we sat there and it was our job to come up with a front page. And at the time, we were able to pick exactly what we wanted to put on that front page. I thought, wow, is that what people get to do? That's fun. So you looked at the wires coming in. So all the stories that are going on through the day. And this is how old I am. It's when, oh my gosh, if anyone remembers this, when um, BBC, I think it was called BBC Choice became BBC Three. So there was, before BBC Three, it was called BBC Choice. That's how old I am. And now BBC Three has come back on TV. Like that's how, that's literally how old I am. I'm just (laughs) showing everyone my age. Um, But we were doing that front page. I was doing it with uh, my partner, Helena. And I just remember thinking, this is so much fun. I can't believe people get paid to do this. Writing away, we were the first people to finish in the room. I was really excited and I'm still really competitive. And so that for me sparked this magic. And I had no idea how to get into it. My um my mum didn't know anyone in the industry. We we weren't like that kind of family that's really connected or anything, quite working class. Mum was a stay-at-home mum, you know, like we just We didn't know anything. So I read loads of different bits and pieces. I tried to ask our careers advisor, they didn't have a clue. And so I got, eventually got into local radio just by messaging and doing all this kind of stuff and writing like hundreds of letters at the time um, and being told no or or not being told anything at all. And then eventually getting a breakthrough at um, Radio Jackie, which is in Southwest London as a newsreader, which I, I didn't get paid for. And so I would come in and do shifts on that and then I kind of built it up from there and then went to, where did I go? I went to uni to do um, a master's in journalism and that was Mm. my way of opening doors because, again, as I say, if you're not from a middle-class background where you have a godmother that works at the BBC or ITV or somewhere, getting that foot in the door is really really hard so I had to go to Hmm. uni and I I saved up for I saved up for a year working at a food factory (laughs) as a receptionist for a year to save up to go to uni (laughs) and do that and then doors opened and then it was a bit easier um
0: yeah
1: getting through but yeah that's my that's my
0: story that's that's amazing And, and I've got to say I kind of I I echo that a little bit you know I think that you know, my experience too of the media is that it is a really kind of welcoming industry. If you're willing to do stuff for free, that is, Mm. you can build up experience. You've just got to keep knocking at that door.
1: Yeah. And I would say don't get disheartened. There are so many no's that I've had. So many. (laughs) Just just get constant rejection uh, (laughs) to the point where you just feel like, can I still do this? I, I don't know if I like this anymore. But you just have to keep pushing through and it's that perseverance that you eventually will get there and someone will listen and someone will realize that you are good and you are um worth taking a chance on and I think it's it's, it's a lot better now uh than it used to be there are a lot more paid opportunities um yes. that there are out there and I don't think anyone should I I really hate and resent people working for free I don't like it I don't like it at all because I had to work and then work for free on the side. And so I, I really don't like it. And I think mm. less of that is happening now, which is really good, because you need people from different backgrounds to talk about and do the news, because otherwise you're just in an echo chamber of of, uh, of people that are all the same, all thinking the same and don't actually go out into the real world and speak to real people. And that's, that's just crap could think mm. of a better word it's just crap we don't want media <laughs> I, we don't want the media to be like that we don't
0: yeah i agree and i think crap is the the, the perfect <laughs> word to use uh, um but you're you're also you're you're a trustee of the um ethical journalism network is that right
1: i am that's a, it's a lovely fancy title yeah um, i wanted to get involved um with the network to make sure that i champion diversity at every single step. I did a panel for them, which was about diversity in the newsroom. And then the lovely and delectable Dorothy Byrne, who um, was um, kind of editor at large at Channel 4 at the time, called me up and, and asked me if I wanted to be involved in the ethical journalism network. And when Dorothy called, you don't say no. <laughs> and so, um, and then I did and I got involved and I'm, I'm still working on loads of different projects to do with diversity and just trying to make sure that the media is representative. So we do, you know, we've got our network, but we do, um, we're doing a big research project at the moment, and then we also kind of look at doing panels with industry leaders just to get these discussions out there so that they're still had. I think, you know, you have the day job, which is me being a correspondent and going around and telling people stories, but also behind the scenes, I think it's really important to still work away and plug away at things that we haven't got quite right yet. Like mm. we have to admit where there's room for improvement. And um, oh, I'm so sorry, my phone is going off <laughs> as, a, as a journalist. That's what happened. But yeah, we need to be able to look at things that are not going right and and try and fix them and try and work towards them. And so that's what I that's what I do. Which yeah, sounds very
0: grand. <laughs> and it, it's awesome. though and it is, you know, there, there is a lot of work that has to go in because I think it's not I don't think there's necessarily a conscious prejudice in the industry and we're talking purely you know the media but i guess you could apply this to every industry and um, but i think sometimes you need organizations like that to kind of shine a spotlight on where the the lack of representation or diversity is and um, to kind of force action and and change in the right places
1: yeah and if you don't know what the problem is how are you going to fix it exactly so yeah. it's got to be done
0: um so yeah that's that's awesome um and I guess moving on then. If your life was a movie, who would play you and why?
1: Sometimes I feel like my life is a movie constantly. <laughs> I just feel like it's it's full of tragedy and comedy at the same time, and just <laughs> completely chaotic and crazy. Um, I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how I get out of bed in the morning or some morning. I <laughs> think, oh, I actually just want to stay in. I want to get out. I, I didn't even have to think this was a question I didn't actually have to think about at all. Not that I would think that I would anyway in one day be famous, but I was like, if the person could play me in a movie, it would be um Gabrielle Union. For those who don't know, she was in Bad Boys, um, for life. She was also in, I think it's Bad Boys for Life. I hope I remembered that right. She was also in Bring It On, the cheerleader film. Yeah. Um, showing that. She was a she was a clover, the fiercest clover, the head teenager, the uh, the head cheerleader rather, and just this boss woman. And I follow her on on every social media possible because I just think she's amazing. And she also did this series called Being Mary Jane, which is a newsreader, um, and who who also has like this crazy uh, life, this uh, just mad um, kind of thing that was shown on BET. Uh, in America and also shown here as well. And I just think she's just such a fierce woman who wears her heart on her sleeve. She's even spoken about a lot of the, she had a a child by a surrogate a couple of years ago um, called Kavya. Um, And she's spoken just so openly and beautifully about all the pain and the struggles that she's gone through. And I just think it takes a really brave person to do that. And if I had like one ounce or one little bit of that that bravery, like I would, I would love that but I just think she's amazing so that's the person that I would love to play me also she, just, she looks beautiful every single time so if, if she could be on screen pretending to be me then fantastic <laughs> fabulous amazing
0: yeah it's a, it's a box sticker on, on every count for Gabrielle yes. Union yes she is but if, if there was a particular point or moment in your life that would be the kind of big defining scene in your life movie what, what would it be?
1: Oh. Oh my gosh, I really have to think about that. <laughs> they're there, there alone. Are, there are um, I think this last, this last year has been like uh, like ridiculously crazy, and with COVID and everything. oh my gosh, I actually have to really like think about a defining, <laughs> a defining moment. Do you know, I would say and it's not glamorous at all, but probably the moment that has changed my life, one of the moments that's changed my life the most, has to be when I got a phone call about Newsround and being a presenter. So picture it, I am at the desk of a, um, I was in a new job um, at Sky News and I was at my desk and the phone rang and this person called and said, hi, is that Aisha? And I was like, oh, hi, yeah. And I thought it was, because I was producing, I thought it was a guest that I was trying to get in contact with. and. It just ended up being uh, this talent scout that just ended up talking to me and I had to walk out of my desk because I was like, oh, I realised it was something. So I walked away from my desk and was in the car park <laughs> because that was the only place I could get some privacy. And she was asking me questions and um, she said, oh, you know, I would like, I'm looking for people to who would, who would be interested in talking about a, like a news-based, a news-based children's program and I was like what news round and she didn't say what it was and she was all mysterious and um, it was that moment in a car park a weird phone call that I never usually would answer that massively changed my life because I and I still I love Rebecca to this day for that phone call because it was that phone call where I just gave my heart and soul and said look this is something that I've always wanted to do. I'm really, I think I'm really good at presenting. I think I'm really good at reporting and I just kind of laid it all out there. And then when the phone call was over, I just didn't think much of it. And then obviously that was a moment and that was the spark that changed everything for me, I guess. So yeah, it's not the most glamorous, it really isn't, but I think that's the moment for
0: me. It's a good story. I think, I think many lives have been changed from uh, an unexpected call in a car park
1: yeah so so, yeah yeah, watch out watch out for those those random calls because actually sometimes (laughs) it's not someone trying to sell you ppi it's someone trying to give you a job
0: it's either going to be the best call of your life or the worst isn't it exactly
1: exactly so yeah that that was the best call of my life yeah
0: awesome okay so what is your most nostalgic film
1: so i think it will be and again, I'm really cheesy. I apologise. I'm aware of my cheesiness and and I, you know, it's just me. But it's probably going to be Ghostbusters just because it's like, and I watched it the other day, actually. I watched it again with my mum, but it reminds me of sitting on the sofa with my brother and just thinking that the, like, the... um the special effects and everything were just the coolest things in the world <laughs> and just you know you look back now and go oh those like you know one things that fly in the air a little bit sketchy and the big marshmallow um uh, tire guy uh, but at the time it was magical and it just takes me back to this just wonderful place of make-believe that I thought that you know, monsters could be slayed with a laser gun. Like, how cool is that? And also, I think a lot of the films and a lot of the references I have are of America because I I watched a lot um, of stuff from America. And I just think that even that depiction of New York City made me want to go there so bad when I was younger. I just thought... This place looks really, really cool. And I guess that's why I like <laughs> Home Alone 2 a lot and Elf and, and anything else that is um, it's set in, in New York, even Godzilla to some extent. <laughs> I just. Uh... <laughs> and then when I got to New York, I realized, oh, it's, it's not that bad. It's actually all right. It's actually a laugh.
0: <laughs> it's quite a good tourism strategy, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It really is made made me want to go, and I have been like several times. So um, yeah. yeah, made me want to go.
0: Did did you ever have the toy Ghostbusters um, kind of pack, like backpack?
1: No, but I wanted it. I had mm. a little flask thing that I was able to convince my mum to get, uh, wh- which broke very quickly. <laughs> but. <laughs> everything broke in our house like I couldn't <laughs> you couldn't hold stuff for, for too long because it would, it would just break um, and we were just quite we were like rough housey kind of you know and so yeah things would break but I, I did I did have have that uh, which was nice and thinking of all the toys and stuff yeah
0: <laughs> yeah the ni- 90s um, toys were I think the best because it was a time when I think our expectations were really high, but there was no like technology and there was no there was mm. there was no real way of making them any better than just a, a lot of cheap plastic kind of glued together. Yeah.
1: But exactly. It was, it was a
0: great time to be alive.
1: It was. I mean, think of the era of Toy Story and all of those yeah. sorts of things. And um, oh what's that movie with Danny DeVito and um oh it's a Christmas movie again. I can't remember. It's Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they're competing for um, they're competing for like the best toy of the year. And it's just like some plastic thing. I, but that was the, that was the 90s. I cannot remember what. Are film you thinking is, of
0: Jingle All The Way?
1: That's what I'm thinking of. I love is the that film. film.
0: Love oh, great. that film.
1: <laughs> yeah, so but those were the kinds of toys and those were the kinds of things that we aspired to. Yeah, it was a great. It was a great time. There's none of this, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking, gosh, when I have kids and they're 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 after PlayStation 17, how expensive is that going to be? That's going to be a nightmare. I'm just going to get them a cardboard box. Poor thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so finally, what is your guilty pleasure?
1: So I feel like all of my choices have been quite guilty I've been just very open about <laughs> um, how lame my choices are. But um, at the moment, I am I'm getting married in September. So.
0: Congratulations.
1: Um, thank, thank you. for So for me and Tom, um, I I think I've just been having nightmares and cold sweats about A, all the money we're spending. <laughs> no one t- I, I think everyone tells you how expensive it's going to be. And <laughs> yeah. then you don't really realise how expensive it really is going to be because you think, oh, I should have, I should have, should have, should have haggled that, you know, uh, I don't know, flower tree that someone's trying to sell me for 500 quid. But so my um, guilty pleasure at the moment is bridesmaids, so, <laughs> which is awful. And it's because I keep having nightmares of stuff going wrong on the day. And I think every kind of bride-to-be has that. But with COVID as well, um, mm. we got engaged in 2020. Um, we were always going to wait until this year. But there's just still loads of different things that I, I worry about and have anxiety about. Uh, not Tom. He's great, so that's good. Don't have anxiety about him. He's lovely. It's, every, it's everything else. <laughs> even today, even today, I had like um, my bridesmaids, and I've got bri- I've got three bridesmaids and a bridesman, and um, they're messaging me about my hen hen do, and what some of my other friends are messaging me saying, "Oh well, I'm sorry, Aisha, I can't come," and I'm like, "Don't tell me these are loads of things that I don't need to know. I'm worried about like." <laughs> 500 pound flower trees like it's really stressful go away yeah Uh, so um yeah and I think for me the scene I think everyone knows the scene in bridesmaids that I'm talking about (laughs) with the trying on the dress yeah and the food poisoning and the walking outside and again that is in New York City I believe and yeah just the the moment of oh just just shame but I I love that moment and I love because it's all about friendship in the end that film and it just makes me believe that no matter what all the kind of crazy stuff that that's happening and all the money that's being spent that at the end of the day it's about me and Tom um, and it's also about the people that love us that want to share the day so I've got to remember that.
0: Absolutely and yeah I think Bridesmaids is a film that once you've so so I've been married for nearly five years now and we. Thank you. And leading up to the wedding, we were like any anything wedding related, we were watching. So don't tell the bride. It was on bridesmaids. Yeah, the time. Um, as soon as the <laughs> wedding has been and gone, it's like, right. We don't even want to mention the word wedding for another like 10 years. we are done. Um, I but, don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, but I've, I've got some good news and bad news for you. Oh,
1: no, the, the,
0: the bad news is so we're coming up to five years this summer and we're still paying it off. And so, oh,
1: no, don't. Oh, Lord.
0: But, but the good news is I wouldn't change a single thing about that day. Aww. It is completely worth it. And, you know, as long as you have the, a day that is just perfect for you and awesome, then you, you're not going to regret it.
1: That is so lovely to hear because, honestly, it has been a nightmare. I thought it was going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was going to be. Naively, I went into it thinking you have loads of time, so it, it's better, but it, it hasn't. It hasn't panned out that way, but it's, yeah, But we yeah we're, it will be a lovely, lovely day and we're really, we are looking forward to it and so it should be good, but it's just yeah. getting, it's just getting there. It's good to hear that you've come out the other side, that <laughs> you're all right.
0: Yeah, and what you know, still still going, she hasn't divorced me yet, so that's a good thing. Oh, that's a good, oh, that a good sign, so that is I a think, very,
1: very good thing. I
0: think it went well. Uh, but yeah, you you haven't done wedding planning properly unless you're sat there a week before, like putting favour boxes together and like doing all these other little things that you, you never expect to have to do.
1: I know. I just think people are, and also I think people are expecting me to be a bit of a bridezilla and I haven't been, but I've just been um, very, I'm just like, whatever. At this point, I'm like, do whatever. I don't even care. Just do it. We'll just turn up on the day. Whatever. It's okay. It's fine. I don't want to, I I don't want to deal with any of the kind of stress and stuff as long as people have got food and drink I'm I'm, I'm guessing they'll be fine they'll be all right.
0: yeah no
1: no one's going to care about the the colour of flowers or whatever it's okay
0: exactly get everyone as drunk as possible as early as possible and they won't remember anything bad
1: hey I've got the background of Caribbean he's got Essex so I think we've got that covered yeah I actually yeah yeah, kind of um, kind of nervous about that but it should be (laughs) fine should be fine it'll be one it'll be one big party it, um, it, it, guaranteed
0: yeah well um best of luck with that i'm sure it's going to go amazing um and before i let you go uh remind everyone how they can connect with you
1: yeah so i'm probably on any sort of social media and stuff um at aisha toll um on twitter on instagram all that sort of stuff and yeah you catch me on channel four news that's probably the best place to look for me, really, because I love it and that's where I am. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Aisha. It's been a pleasure. And I have to say, uh, probably my favourite set of answers so far.
1: Oh, bless you. I bet you said that to everyone. That's (laughs) lovely. (laughs) Thank you
0: so much. That's it for this episode of the Friday Film Club. I do hope you enjoyed it. And, of course, you can listen back to all previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember as well to connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at The Fry Film Club. We will, of course, post links to all of our guest info in the show notes. So look out for that as well. Thanks for listening.